We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome back in. You were listening to the August 3rd, 2018 episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a of podcast dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions. And we are brought to you by the folks at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart, at Fantasy Gumshoe, and joining me today on the show, he's a Rotoviz vet. He's been here a while, former senior analyst here at the Viz, author of the great Stealing Signals column last year, no stranger, certainly no stranger to Rotoviz Radio, and certainly no stranger to the Mailbag Show. He's now the editor-in-chief over at FantasyInsiders.com. You can take the man out of the Viz, but you just cannot take the Viz out of the man, damn it. Welcome back to the show, Ben Gretsch. You can find him on the tweets at Yards Per Gretsch. It is great to have you back on the mailbag show ben man what's good oh man i i'm totally with you i mean I, i'll always have a, a special place in my heart for rotaviz i learned like just so much about how to analyze the game and and what to how, how to build strong arguments and 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 how to you know anticipate objections and just the, like all the things that the fantasy douche and sean and and nick and all these guys uh, you know, they have definitely influenced me, the type of analyst I've become. And uh, totally agree with you, man. You'll never take the viz out of me. That's that's who I am. And I'm really glad to be back. I'm glad to be back on here with you. I remember way back when my first article ever, I think I bring this up every time you have me on, but my first <laughs> article ever published, you're one of the first guys that tweeted out. And I'll, I'll, always, I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for you for that, man. Oh, man. It, the pleasure's on this side, man. It's just it's just great, you know, because just chilling, doing the mailbag, you know, and, and just seeing seeing people fly, seeing people blossom and just going and, and making things happen. And we're going to do that, hopefully, for the audience out here today as we answer the offseason uh, questions for this week, whether it's Dynasty Trades Player and Team Outlooks, offseason prep. I mean, we have football, Ben. Literally, we have football. I mean, granted, it's a Hall of Fame game, and it sucks, and I'm a Bears fan. I can say it sucks, all right? So uh, let's talk about some stuff that doesn't actually suck. So you're coming off of what I can only imagine an insanely great 
grueling 32-team in-depth world-famous draft guide for our friends over at the Roto Underworld Player Profiler. Now you find yourself with a full-time gig leading the charge for an upcoming season-long landing spot over there in association with Roto Grinders, uh, Roto Grinders, Roto Grinders at uh, Fantasy Insiders there. So life is good. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good, Ben. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's going it's going great. The uh the draft kit I did uh with Matt Kelly and the the Roto Underworld team over there was a lot of fun. Uh I definitely leveraged a lot of of the stealing signals work from last off season or last in season. Um, you know, that was a, a pretty grueling project in itself throughout last year and um took a lot of those takeaways and helped me uh you know formulate my opinions on how the entire t- 2017 season went for each of these teams and wrote about all that and then talked about how you know the off season has gone for for these teams and what to expect in 2018 and and that was yes that was a that was a big project for sure and then now obviously over at Fantasy Insiders and we're really excited we're going to be launching our draft kit over there pretty soon we have uh Another another road of his alum, Josh uh, Fantasy ADHD, is over there, and he's doing some really cool visuals and some cool apps over there. So we're really excited to be launching that new premium uh, season long subscription here in the in the next few days. And um, yeah, yeah, things are going pretty well. I mean, I, I think just once I get Twitter figured out, I'll I'll kind of have it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Twitter can be very overrated at times, but we'll say admittedly here. So you mentioned a little bit about you know the draft guide upcoming, the, the premium package over at Fantasy Insiders. I mean, I'm an XFI guy, you know, on the DFS side, so I'm definitely going to have to get back over there with with the with the new blood in town, with Josh, with you. I mean, just just good people all around over there at F5. So, you know, why should RV Nation go check out the site that is now after listening to this very pod, of course? Yeah, I mean, I think probably um, the biggest reason would be that, you know, I, like I said just before, I I, I learned direct, directly from the, the people who made Rotoviz what it was. So if you like Rotoviz type analysis, I mean, that's what I'm going to be focusing on over there and through editing, trying to help uh, some of the younger writers kind of uh, find their voice and and teach them a little bit about, you know, pa- pay forward a lot of the lessons that were taught to me as well. So um, I think definitely a lot of the ways that we look at things and analyze things over there will be kind of modeled after the road of his way, so to speak. So, um, yeah, I mean, for anybody who's who's interested in that type of analysis, you can definitely get more of it over at Fantasy Insiders. There's a ton of free content uh, available over there right now. Uh, not Everything on the site right now is free. So. Uh, definitely would recommend going and checking it out. Make it happen out there, folks. I mean, there, you, don't get me wrong. I want you to still stay with Rotoviz, right? But you're always going to want to couple your analysis. You're always going to want a second opinion. You always want to keep yourself grounded and gain another perspective. You know, there's nothing worse than an analyst out there that has somebody else disagree with them, so then they just shut down the rest of the argument. Like, that's how you learn. That's how you grow. And that's what we want to make sure you do while we remind you that you can still get the 30% discount at Rotoviz for the NFL Pass if you haven't already through the podcast homepage. That's rotaviz.com slash podcast. So while you're checking out FI, go ahead and sub over here. You're going to have unlimited access to the premium NFL content, and it supports this pod. You can also support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Rotaviz radio channel on iTunes. Do that. You're going to be eligible to win a free $35 entry to a league over at the FFPC. Just go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then listen to future episodes to hear if you are the winner. Also, if you're interested in being in an FFPC league with some of the writerviz, uh, writerviz, rotoviz writers, podcasters, myself, email us, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and we're going to get that set up. And I'm going to take you down. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you take me down, I want you to write into the show, and I will read your brag on air. So please, Make that happen. Also, if you are a fan of this show and you want to sub directly to the Fantasy Football Mailbag feed, do so. It takes hard work getting the show out every week, so do us a solid and hit that rate button. And, of course, if you have any questions you want answered on this very show, hit us up via email, rotavisradio at gmail.com, or on uh, Twitter using the hashtag RVMailbag. All right, Ben, man, let's fire into some of these QQs for the week. Here we go. The first one is Redraft. Hey, guys, love your podcast. I'm in a 12-team PPR. We start one RB, one R, uh, wide receiver, one tight end, three flex spots. 
All TDs are six. There is a three-point bonus for touchdowns over 40 yards and a five-point bonus for a 100-yard rushing or receiving. So we get some uh, some uh, niche type of scoring here, Ben. So he's got the 11th pick. Given the scoring format here, does it make sense to go zero RB? He claims he's not too fond of the Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette tier. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit hit it on the head saying it's kind of an interesting scoring format. And I'm always I'm always pretty interested in these and and kind of a fan of the the different scoring formats. I mean, at least trying to analyze them and break them down. So uh, one thing I was wondering about this, and I'm sure you don't have any additional notes here, but especially when I see that it's all TDs or six, there's a three-point bonus for TD length and a five-point bonus for a 100-yard plateau, which is a pretty significant bonus. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there's even any, uh, like, fractional yardage points, like for every 10 yards, if there's a point or if you just get the bonus at 100 yards. What what do you think? You think there's, gonna, there's like, still normal yardage yeah, in this league? Let's assume the the touchdown bonus stays, the PPR is there. Let's assume he's still getting a point for every 10. Okay. So, I, I mean, regardless, I would say yes. I, I think 0RB still works uh, very well there. And I think uh, it can pretty much work in any format because the tenants of 0RB are, obviously, that the running back position is a little bit more fragile uh, and and also that you can get those late round zero RB targets, and I'm sure Sean's list of of best zero RB targets will be coming out soon. I know I'll be watching for that. And, and to your point, uh, <laughs> to, uh, a moment ago about you know continuing to sub at Rotaviz, I'm I still keep my eye on Rotaviz. I mean it's it's uh, I'm, I'm going to continue to be a fan from afar for sure. Uh, so you have that potential to build a monster team in pretty much any format. I think even in standard you could do it, but it, it's it's not probably the preferred option in standard. But if you can get dominant players at the wide receiver position that give you that huge positional advantage and then potentially at tight end and then are able to hit on one of those late round running backs that is this year's Alvin Kamara or someone of that nature, um, that's how you can build a really dominant team. And, and that's kind of the whole idea behind zero RB. So. <clears throat> I think, you know, regardless, yes, it, like zero running back is viable. And especially this year at the 11th pick in a PPR format like this. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love in this format, I would love to get Odell Beckham at 11th there. Um, he has a type of big play potential where you can get that three-point bonus for the over 40-yard touchdowns. He has the the type of consistency to get the 100-yard bonus and get that five-point bonus. He has the touchdown production. Um, I, I mean, he's the kind of guy I would love to target there. Uh, Julio Jones as well. I mean, there's there's a lot of dudes that uh, if you could get like two of those guys at the turn, yeah, you're well on your way to a really dominant roster there. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, the, these touchdown bonuses, these yardage bonuses are great. You know, DraftKings are set up this way as well. At the end of the day, you know, you're, you're, you're targeting – uh, targets. You're targeting volume, period. I mean, the volatility of whether or not somebody goes 40 yards, you know, you're not going to be able to, to ascertain, right? You, so you're just targeting the, the guys that you think are going to do it a lot. And I mean, I'll throw a kink in the wrench here. He said he doesn't like the tier uh, of the running backs here. You know, somebody like a Leonard Fournette, he mentioned specifically, given the five-point bonus for 100-yard rushing, like, he fits the bill here, you know what I mean? But like, if, if zero RB yeah. is what, what you want to do, then yeah, you, you can definitely do it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he fits the bill for for the hundred yard bonus, but I, I was digging around a little bit to see if the top end running backs or top end receivers tend to hit hundred yards more. And it, I mean, I, I I'm certain somebody's done that research because of, for DFS because of the DraftKings bonus and trying to you know trying to figure out what the most uh, optimal flex is. But I didn't know exactly where to look to pull that up. So um, not something that uh, I I can say with like more than just kind of anecdotally poking around at the 2017 top finishers but it, it was close i would say i mean most players it seemed like at the, at, the, at the top of the running back and receiver yardage leaderboards hit the 100 yard bonus six to eight times something in that range um but the big thing it's a smaller bonus it's only three points but the 40 yard td that's definitely going to benefit the receivers i mm-hmm. mean you're going to have a lot more long passing touchdowns and long rushing touchdowns so um Guys, yeah, these bonuses like, probably – it inherently protects the receiver volatility a little bit more, right? Like, you right. know, season law. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% there. Yeah, I, so I got I was going to say, uh, 
the one thing I would do as well later in the draft is I would be targeting air, like high air yards receivers. I'd be targeting guys like guys that you already like. I mean, not just going after like boomer bust players, but Robbie Anderson's a guy that I like in drafts, Ooh. and Marquise Goodwin. I would bump them up in in this league a little bit, a little bit later in the draft. I think Ted Ginn's a little undervalued. I love John Ross, so. Those are guys that I think have the potential to hit that 40-yard touchdown bonus a couple of times this year. Um, you're basically trying to get a player in the mold of Tyreek Hill who hit 40-yard touchdowns. I think seven of his eight TDs last year were 40 or more yards. He's probably going to go too high in this league because anyone who's looking at last year's um, outcome is going to see that he did really well in this league, and he's probably going to go around high in, in this league. But that that's a piece of advice I'd give to anybody playing in a quirky league is uh, try and figure out kind of who does better in these types of formats. And when you find somebody like a Tyreek Hill, who would be, I, I'm almost certain was, uh, boosted by the scoring, um, that individual player who had that high outcome is probably going to get overdrafted in your league. But think of players similar to him who could put up statistical profiles similar to him that might still be values. Uh, maybe T.Y. Hilton is a, is a guy that, uh, because he had a down year last year, isn't going to necessarily get jumped on. But I think he has just as much potential to put up that type of a year in 2018 as a guy like Tyreek Hill. Good stuff there. And, you know, one of the things that stuck out to me, two guys I am uh, over, I don't want to say too exposed to, but two of my most exposed wide receivers in best ball so far, Marquise Goodwin and Robbie Anderson. So really, I'm just bringing you on the show to so you can validate that I'm on the right track. That's all that matters here. That's why I bring you on with the goods, man. So I appreciate that. Um, draft strategy. Anytime, we'll, man. Anytime. <laughs> we'll move on from there. Can you talk a little bit about what you normally do in a best ball at tight end and what you plan to do in redraft? I don't have any redrafts until later this month, but seem to be all over the board as it relates to tight ends and can't seem to find what I like uh, the best. Uh, do you grab one of the top three, hit the middle tier, or just wait even longer? Yeah, I love this question because I think tight end presents a really interesting challenge this year. Uh, Hunter Henry's ACL, Jason Witten's retirement, you know, Antonio Gates aging out. And there, there's a, a shift of the tight end position over the last few years where some of the older guys are aging out, some of the stalwarts that ha, ha, were around for a lot of years. And I mean, even Jimmy Graham is, is really kind of getting up there and, and Gronk is, is, you know, maybe not as reliable. He never really has been, I guess, with the injuries, but. Uh, I'm not particularly concerned about Gronk. I wouldn't put him in the classification with the rest of those guys. But Graham is someone I'm worried about. Graham led the league in touchdowns last year among tight ends. Um, but I think that kind of masked that he wasn't as productive. He was 17th in receiving yardage among tight ends. So, I mean, he could have a bounce back year in Green Bay. I definitely understand the argument for Graham. But um, I do think there's kind of... Uh, a gap right now, and especially with, like I mentioned, the Hunter Henry injury and the kind of unexpected retirement of Witten, there's this this middle tier of tight ends is really, it, it's thinner this year for me. And guys like Trey Burton and George Kittle, who are um, these interesting upside picks, I think they're going maybe a round or two higher than you would expect them to go in other years based yes. on their, their yes. potential. Yes. Right. So it's like, you have to pay a little bit more for that upside than you would in, in previous years. And I mean, that's not to say those guys can't break out. They can. They have wide ranges of outcomes. They're kind of these, these upside picks, but you, you have to, you have to pay a little more than, than you would in other years. So for me, this is a year. And the other thing is, if you think back three, four or five years, the years after guys like Gronk and Graham had big seasons, we'd sometimes see those guys go in the late first round in PPR leagues or at least the early second. And um, I don't think the big three are going so early that they're, they're they're out of the question. I mean, you can get Gronk in the late second in some places. I, I think he's a great second-round target. I think Kelsey's a solid target, and I think Ertz is a fine target in the late third. So, yeah, I mean, I think you can hit on any of those three. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that middle tier, though. There are a couple guys I like. I think O.J. Howard's a little undervalued. Um, Kyle Rudolph could be kind of interesting and, and Delaney Walker to me is again, all kind of cost dependent depends on like where those guys fall in the draft. But, um, I do think you have to pay a little bit more than you should for some of those guys. So I don't mind waiting really late either. And I, I think he's onto something there by saying waiting even longer. I mean, I think there are some tight ends that, um, potentially 
uh, could go undrafted in a lot of leagues that early in the season, I, I think it's important. It's going to be important to watch the waiver wire at the position because I think there's some guys that, um, will, will be maybe viable low end tight end ones or high end tight end twos that we're not even really on right now. One of my favorites is Ryan Griffin in Houston. I think he's going to be the lead tight end there. I think he's more, more of a complete tight end than Steven Anderson and he doesn't get drafted really in any kind of uh, normal depth league. If you get into deeper leagues, he starts to go, but. Um, he's a guy that I like as as having some potential upside. So, um, and, and Blake Jarwin is, is sounding like the 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 starter in Dallas. I think he has some some target upside. They're so thin at receiver as well. I mean, it's not going to be a pass heavy team, but um, it doesn't take a ton to get into that like ten to fifteen tight end range. It takes maybe sixty catches. So there's a lot of guys I think that. Um, they're not much different than the guys that go around the tight end 15 range in ADP, but they're completely undrafted. So I, I also think, yeah, it's very viable to just wait and just hit a few of these really late tight ends. Uh, you know, Jake Butts, another one that uh, people are really uh, high on. I'm not particularly as high on him, but he's he goes extremely late as well. So um, definitely, I think, an opportunity this year to kind of do different things at tight end. But I have no problem with you taking a top three guy. I have no problem with you waiting till the very end either. Yeah, that's that's where it is. I mean, hit hit the top three if you want to go that way, or wait, or wait, or wait. Like if Gronk falls to the late second, I'm I'm good with them there. You know, if Greg Olson falls into the sixth or even seventh, um, you know, I'll I'll look at him there. But I mean, I don't like to your point hitting the the Trey Burtons, the George Kittles, because I mean, when you when you sit down and you go through your projections, it, these guys are still the third or fourth targets in their offense when you go through the, the reads, right? So it's like they're not really going to project out that much more, if at all, to some of those guys that you can get late in the starting in the, as you mentioned, O.J. Howard, Eric Ebron range. And, and to get them, you're giving up more flex uh, positional value there. So I find myself this year more than ever in the best ball setting, punting away the position and just saying, you know what, I'm going to beat you at running back and wide receiver. And that's, that's how we're going to go to battle. I, you know, I see, I hear a lot of analysts sometimes say something to the tune of, you know, I, I just, I don't want to be left holding the bag at tight end. I don't want to knock it a tight end. And I think that's the wrong mindset to have this year because, I mean, it is the onesie position after all. And, you know, if you don't have that top three, you know, there, there's a there's less than a handful that are giving you a positional advantage. And other than that, I mean, they're not getting the volume, so you're chasing touchdown volatility anyway. So you may as well wait till real late and just right. go for some touchdown upside. That's yeah, it's, it. it's really flat. I mean, that's the thing. If you're worried about holding the bag, I mean, all I would say is you're still holding the bag if you draft like Austin <laughs> Safarian Jenkins. I mean, uh, yeah, he could have a good year in Jacksonville, but they have a, a lot of receivers there, and Blake Bortles hasn't necessarily used the tight end heavily. I mean, he hasn't had a guy like Austin Safarian Jenkins yet. Uh, it's certainly possible, and, and Safarian Jenkins had a, a pretty big red zone role for the Jets last year. It's certainly possible he could have a decent year. Uh, but guys like that and, and some of the, the – um, you know, some of the other guys going in that range that are there, there's some teams that were two tight ends go in that range, Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron for the Colts. I'm not really sure. Like, I, I, I kind of like both, but I don't really want to pay their price. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Cameron Brait going going where he's going, which is not too much farther behind O.J. Howard. I think Howard has the upside. And earlier in the offseason, I was I was more interested in Brait because he ran a lot more routes, even though he played fewer snaps last year. But um, you know, looking into his contract a little more and seeing that it's essentially it was a reported as a long term deal, but it's essentially a one year deal with team options over and over. He has absolutely no dead money after this year. I can't really remember a contract that's like reported as five or six years that has zero dead money even in the second year. I mean, it's it's like the most hollow contract I've ever seen. Uh, so Braid is to me is just kind of like a maybe a bridge guy, and there's some potential for Howard to really be the star there. Uh, but I don't, you know, I. Uh, guys like that where it's like at best they're going to be the second tight end on their team. I mean, I, I just – I don't know, man. I, I would just as soon wait and, and try and get the starter in a position like like in Dallas or in Houston like we were just talking about. Yep, 100%. All right, Ben, what is your best and worst purchase you've ever made? Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. 
MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, you sent you send over these uh, these questions sometimes early, and I was looking at this earlier, and I was just like, man, I I don't buy anything for myself. <laughs> and I, I actually texted my wife and asked her, and she just laughed at me, and she's like, I mean, I, she had nothing for me either. But I thought about it, and I I got a funny story at least I can give you. So I bought a t-shirt, like a, a button down shirt one time online, which is just not a good idea. And I learned this lesson the hard way. <laughs> and I, I'm kind of, uh, like, I, I'm a fairly athletic guy. I still play like recreational sports, but I'm a little bit of a, like a bigger, bigger guy. You know, you can tell I drink beer. And I, I <laughs> bought this button down shirt. It was a little bit tight, but it was a nice shirt. And we were going out to a dinner like the day after I got it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to wear this. So I, I wore it out, but it, it was tight. It was too tight to wear out. And I knew it, but I was like, you know what? I, I got, I got to wear this. I just bought this new shirt. And we, my stepbrother the whole time was just clowning on me. He's like, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta let those buttons breathe or whatever, you know, but halfway through the dinner, the shirt rips in the back. <laughs> it's so tight. I ripped the shirt. So first time I ever wore it, ruined the shirt. Um, that, that would be the worst purchase I ever made. And the, the fact that I tried to make something out of it is the, the really the hilarious part. Uh, best purchase. <laughs> Um, the thing, the thing that came to my mind, I'm a, I like to golf. I'm a golf guy. And about a decade ago, a buddy of mine won a, a putt off at a golfing competition and won a new putter, but he really liked his current putter. It was like a hundred dollar Odyssey putter. And I was in the, like looking for new putters and he's like, okay, I'll give you this for 50 bucks. And I was like, Hey, cool. You know, you just won that for free. Way to be an ass. But <laughs> can I say that on here? No, no, not at all. Of course you can. <laughs> But anyway, I gave him 50 bucks for it. Love that putter. I've had that putter for over a decade now, and it is my favorite putter. So that would be right up there as one of the better purchases I've ever made. I mean, I probably should say something more sentimental, like uh, the engagement ring I bought my wife or like my, my kid's first car seat or something. But I'll just say my, my putter. <laughs> no, the putter's solid. You, you're never going to remember the kid's first car seat. You're only going to remember it because of the time he puked on it. That's pretty much it. That's right. how it is in my house anyhow. Um, the, the next question, um, it's pretty drawn out here. So really what it alludes to is, look, Jordan Matthews was just cut, right? So, uh, Kenny Britt, is he a late round flyer at this point? Is he going to be, you know, the starting in two wide receiver sets now? Do we have any idea what's going to happen in that offense now? Yeah. I mean, I think it's starting to take shape a little bit. Definitely. Um, you, you got to expect Hogan's going to be very involved, um, and when Edelman comes back, I think obviously the, the release of Jordan Matthews, uh, alleviates any potential concern there that they might, you know, do, pull a Belichick type move and, and put him in the doghouse or something. I think, I think it, it should be expected at this point that Edelman will come back to a pretty solid role. So you're, you're getting into this position where yes, Patterson's going to make the team, but he's going to be more of a special teamer. Um, Philip Dorsett's probably going to make the team be more of a downfield threat and, and maybe, you know, if they want to have somebody be in that Brandon Cooks role, he could be that guy. But I think Britt is is ahead of him, likely. I mean, I I I, I see some potential there for Britt, sure. And and um, you know, if there's if there's you know anybody in that range that you're looking at, there are there are definitely a lot of guys that I think have similar ranges of outcomes to to him. And and maybe he's not the top option for me, but I. I could see taking a shot on him now, especially with Matthews gone. Now, in that range, you know, a few guys that I've been taking at, you know, 18th round, uh, best ball, something like that. Uh, Mike Wallace, Quincy Inunua, John Brown, uh, those are a few of them. But you, you got one that kind of came close to your heart as of late. So give us your, uh, your elevator pitch on 
John the Ross. Yeah, I mean, we made it to like question five, so I'm actually I I think I mentioned him on question one for a brief second, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, it, he's good. <laughs> so the elevator pitch on him is uh, you know top ten pick. Definitely, I think Cincinnati has plenty of incentive to get him on the field. Um, there's going to be plenty of recency bias where people are like, "You did nothing last year," and we, you know, we listened to you, Ben. You told us to draft him, and he did absolutely. He didn't even play, and you know, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but I still think the guy can play, and I think he's so dynamic that um, they're going to have to play him. Now, a lot of people love to talk about the other speedster busts that have come out. Um, I would point to the guys that are actually in John Ross's speed range that have been really successful in the last couple of years. Olympic track athlete Marquise Goodwin, uh, Tyreek Hill, both were non-combine invitees. So, you know, we don't have a, a specific time on them, but both of them reportedly run in the four twos. Ross obviously set the combine 40 record at four two two. Now we know 40 time doesn't necessarily matter for, for receiver production, but the, I think there might be something there that hasn't shown up on models yet because the rules have just laxed in the last few years. Uh, receivers are allowed to run a little bit more free. And uh, these guys that run, especially the real extreme outliers that run down in the 4-2-2s and Ross runs in the low 4-2-2s, it's hard to compare them to guys who run in the low 4-3s because cornerbacks are fast too. I mean, the teams don't put slow cornerbacks on burner. So these guys that run the 4-3s, they're usually probably going up against the guy who's running in the 4-4s, maybe even in the 4-3s with them. The average cornerback per player profiler uh, in the NFL last year ran a 4-5-1, and that includes everybody on, an, on on a roster. So you look at the starters and you look at particularly the guys that are going to be guarding uh, the speedster on the other team, you're probably talking about the low 4-4s on average. And um, so those guys, the, you know, Will Fuller's a guy who's been really productive lately. He ran like a 4-3-2, I think. So he has to win with like a second. And, and there's more to it than just straight line speed, but uh, excuse me, a tenth of a second. But the point is, a guy like John Ross is is an outlier that might not it might not show up on a model because he's he has a you know say Will Fuller has to win with four three two speed against a guy who runs a four four two he has a tenth of a second John Ross has two tenths of a second he has double the advantage I mean I think if you think about it marginally like that like it, it's hard to make that comparison where he's an extra tenth of a second faster than guys like Darius Hayward Bay Philip Dorsett Troy Williamson a lot of these speedster busts that we've seen so. Uh, and especially with the success of in the in the modern game with with some of these other really fast guys like Marquise Goodwin and and Tyree Kill, both of whom there were questions about their polish as overall receivers at one point, but it hasn't really mattered, uh, or at least it didn't for either of them in 2017. So Ross, to me, uh, you know, I don't want to lean too heavily on 40 time because again, it, it has been shown, and and, it, and Rotov is obviously very heavily data, um, you know, it, like we're going to lean on data at Rotoviz, but um, it's been shown that 40 time doesn't matter, but I, I do think there is room to consider that uh, that might not be the right application for Ross. And and then when you also just consider the the potential volume and the fact that he's a top 10 pick and that he'll be out there and, and the damage he can do to defenses uh, in terms of scheme and, and how that could free up A.J. Green and everything, they should want him out there. I mean, they would be silly not to have him out there, and that might not benefit him statistically, Ross. Uh, but I do think especially in best ball, you're going to get some big weeks. You're going to get some splash plays. So um, he's a guy that, um, yeah, I'm all over. I, I think we, we're we a little bit too quick to judge guys by one season, and, and that you can't just throw that away. He did nothing in his rookie season. That does matter. That's, that is statistically significant, rookie season production, and, and the fact that he did nothing matters. So I, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going full bore on him, but, I definitely think there's more of a case for him than than the overall community feels, given his ADP, and, and he's a guy that I'm definitely targeting. Hey, 
Hey, Rotovis fans, allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. The 2018 fantasy draft season is in full swing, and the FFPC has a format to suit every diehard's interest and budget. Whether it's best ball or super flex or classic managed leagues, there are drafts filling daily starting at just a $35 entry fee. Jump into a slow or a live draft today. Now, are you ready for your greatest challenge? Then check out the FFPC main event. In its 11th season, the main event is the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football. Come to Las Vegas for a three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino. Or draft online from the comfort of your home. Play for the massive $250,000 grand prize, over $2.2 million in total prizes and fantasy immortality. Yeah, he's so cheap right now. And, I mean, I would say, despite, you know, the statistical analysis that you brought up, I mean, process-wise, they have entirely too much invested in him to not get him out there and make it happen for him now. And you have to put up so little to to put some of that upside on your team. I mean, it is I would consider it a miss on my part not being exposed to John Ross earlier. So we're going to make that happen going forward. Uh, the next one here is about uh, Minnesota. What do you see from that passing game now that Stephon Diggs has been signed? Um, Adam Thielen had him just edged out in ADP. Uh, do you see that kind of role reversal happening now just because of the contract solely, or do you think it's still kind of much to do about nothing, at least on terms of, in terms of on the field? Well, I mean, I think I think they're both. I, I think this is a like a a tough thing to try to analyze because they're both. I think. Pardon me. They're both very good receivers, and they they play kind of different roles for the team. And I mean, last year this team wasn't very pass heavy. They had the fifth best game script. They were twenty second in pass attempts. Uh, Case Keenum was number five in play action pass attempts per game, which we know from awesome research done by guys like Josh Hermsmeyer that play action is uh, a great way to increase the uh, efficiency of your passing game. And the Minnesota passing game was very efficient last year with Keenum. Now they have Cousins. Cousins was above average in play-action pass attempts per game last year and in play-action pass attempt completion, or excuse me, play-action completion percentage. So he's a solid play-action quarterback. They got him in, and and I think in a lot of ways they they brought him in to continue the efficiency of the offense. Not necessarily, I mean, I think he's a better quarterback than Keenum, but Keenum played way over his head last year. They probably did not expect that they could re-sign Keenum and get the same level of play. They moved on to a better quarterback to hopefully get the same level of of production at the quarterback position. It's kind of the way that I look at it because um, you have to recognize a little bit that you got a, a plus outcome out of Keenum last year. So I think we're going to see similar. They have a very good defense. I think you're going to see plus scripts. They might throw a little bit more with Cousins than 22nd in pass attempts. Um, and I think there's some potential for them to to have a little bit more uh, like past TD volume. They were really high in in rush attempts. Uh, the three running backs combined for top five uh, in red zone touches and in inside the five touches uh, among all teams in the league, um, or I guess their whole running back crew, but it was largely the three guys, Cook, Murray, and Jerick McKinnon. So I... You know, I, I think this passing game is going to be a little bit um, light on the volume. I think there's some potential for it to, to for them to throw a little bit more now that they just spent all this money on Cousins. As far as who the the wide receiver one is, I think that's just a question that isn't really that important. If I had to if I had to take somebody, I would take Diggs. I mean, he's 25 relative to to Thielen being uh, 28, so he's kind of on the upswing of his career, and he's had a hard time staying healthy. He's had to play through some injuries, but he's still been productive while playing through it in a variety of ways. Last year, he was big on touchdowns, but he's been productive, you know, more productive on on the yardage front as well early in his career. So, um, yeah, Phelan was very, very good last year, and I think he could still potentially outproduce Diggs this year, but I would, I would bet on Diggs continuing to blossom into that full-fledged wide receiver one um, and Thielen being kind of that late bloomer who fits in better as like a wide receiver too. 
other than a button-down shirt, if you had to become an inanimate object for a year, what object would you choose to be? <laughs> oh, man. Um, definitely not a button-down shirt. The first thing I thought was, like, <laughs> like some kind of cool monument or something somewhere. So I'd just, like, be, a, like, around people and, and, and all that. And then I, I thought about it a little more, and uh, I, I think the answer has got to be a plane, right? But then I was also thinking a satellite as well. Like, a satellite would be really cool, just, but then that would kind of get lonely. You're just out there in space for a year. But, <laughs> you know, a, a plane, you can travel place to place. You know, you can see the world a little bit. Uh, it's got to be something like that, right? Somewhere you're moving around a little bit. Now, would it count as inanimate? Well, I guess it could, right? I mean, it's it's moving, but it's kind of like, I don't know. We'll take it. We'll take it. How about that? <laughs> I've always wanted to be an eagle. I mean, you're so you can be a plane. I think that's fine. An eagle's not inanimate? No, it's not. <laughs> but I'm still wondering if a <laughs> plane is, too. <laughs> maybe maybe a model airplane. How about that? There you go. Model model airplane? No, that's just something that the kids are going to break when you get older. A drone. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's where it's at now. It's all about the drones now. Well, yeah. <laughs> we'll drone on from here. We're going to turn John Ross into the Fuck, Mary Kill for this week. So we're going to put him up against Mike Wallace, uh, John Brown, and for additional shits and giggles, we're going to put Quincy Inunua in there as well. Um, so you can have fun with any of the above or not. Um, I will fuck and marry John Ross and kill everyone else. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'll I'll marry John Ross over over those other vets. Um, I of these guys, the one that I would I, I hate to say this because you just said you have some exposure to him, but the one that I think I would kill is Quincy Anula because uh, you know, I liked him going into last year before he got hurt, but he's coming back from an injury now, and Robbie Anderson is just so much more established at this point, and Jer- Jermaine Curse was solid for them last year, so. I think last year the the appeal was he looked like the clear cut wide receiver one early in the off season, and this year I I just don't see that at all. I mean I think if he's back and he's healthy and he's good to go, he's going to be in the mix for targets in a bad offense. So um, not something that I'm I'm super fond of. I I, I like Anderson there as their lead receiver, um, and then as far as which one to fuck, I mean it would be either. It'd be either John Brown or Mike Wallace. Uh, that's who I'm left with. So I'll, I'll go John Brown. I think, you know, the camp gifts have got me there. <laughs> yeah, ah, geez. You know, I don't know if I could go with John Brown only because, I mean, like you've got to be in the right temperature for it to be a good night with John Brown given given his, his style of injury, I suppose. Right. If that makes any sense. So No, it does. And I think Mike Wallace is a solid uh, – I should note, I think is a, is a solid late round pick as well. I mean, I think he has the potential to be a much better than Torrey Smith was in that deep, uh, high A dot role for for Philadelphia, and it's a great fit for him uh, because Philadelphia was among the league leaders in total air yards for the for their uh, a team, and definitely like to push the ball down the field. So if he still has some gas in the tank and can get downfield. Um, he could definitely hit on some big ones. I mean, the, the, him and Brown, I, to, both of them, I'm looking at them as kind of best ball, late round best ball, um, big play, high A dot, you know, high air yards type players. And I, I think they both have some appeal in that sense. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's close. I think they're, I think it's very close between them. Yeah, good points on Quincy as well. I think I'm just, uh, I don't know, man. It's almost like nostalgia at this point to, to draft Quincy and Noon one and hope for the hope for the best. But uh, yeah, my very sound strategy there. Uh, next one here is best ball. Should I be concerned about the Bears offense pumping uh, the brakes a little bit? It seems like um, he being Mitch Trubisky is having trouble catching on to the Matt Nagy scheme. He's cheap enough that I don't really care. He's been uh, the main QB two target for me. What say you? Yeah, I mean, I'm actually just kind of lukewarm on this one. I don't I don't love Trubisky. Um, I think a lot of people are expecting a, a pretty big step forward in year two, and it's it's not hard to be optimistic after we saw Sean McVay have a really big impact on Jared Goff last year, and hit after he had a, an even worse rookie season than anything Trubisky did last year. But um, that turnaround was not something we should we should be comparing anything to. It, it is an out. I mean, it was an outlier, and it's not um, the type of thing that we should expect. I think. 
probably what we should expect is small steps forward um, or potentially still some struggles because he's still a young quarterback and he hasn't played a ton at the NFL level yet. Uh, he had a 7 to 7 TD to INT ratio last year. He completed fewer than 60% of his passes. So uh, not somebody that I'm like sold is going to all of a sudden be a top, you know, a, an upper half quarterback this year. Uh, but the reason I'm still kind of lukewarm is they have a really nice schedule. They have a couple tough matchups later in the year, but uh, they get the Vikings twice in their division. One of them is in Week 17, so they only have him them once in the in the fantasy season, and I think they get the Rams as well during the fantasy season. But uh, beyond that, their schedule sets up pretty darn nice. It's one of the more advantageous passing schedules in the league. So I'm I. I'm okay with making him a target and the people that think he's a target. And I, I think with any young player, there's potential that they step forward. And especially given, you know, the new scheme and the the soft schedule, there, there, there are reasons to be optimistic. I'm just not totally buying in on him necessarily. There's some other, other quarterbacks I like in that range, but um, yeah, I'm just kind of, kind of lukewarm. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I still like Mitch Trubisky only because I think the rushing side upside is going to be there just for, you know, flood, Floor sustainability, pretty much. I mean, to your earlier point, I mean, he can only go up from where he was last year, right? Because they didn't even throw the damn ball. Um, so, yeah, I, I like him there. It's not like I'm in love with him. I mean, I, I definitely am not as high on the Bears' offense as others do seem to be. Um, and, you know, some of the camp reports that are coming out, I mean, it's camp reports. And I, I will say Chicago beat writers typically seem to be a little bit more uh, critical at times than, uh, let's say, down in Miami, how everyone's going to the Super Bowl in Miami uh, or, the, or the Pro Bowl, what say you. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Mitch, Mitch Trubisky is fine, but, you know, I'm not reaching up for him or anything like that. Uh, but what do you think about New Orleans and the passing game outside of Michael Thomas? Is there anyone worth drafting there? Who do you think is going to get the load? Uh, some people like Cam Meredith. Some are taking Ted Ginn. Personally, I've been airing on the side again just because, um, you know, in a best ball environment, looking for some late pop. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think I, I expect him to have a, a defined role as that deep threat that um, the Saints have had all throughout Breeze's, you know, Breeze's tenure as their quarterback, you know, whether it was Robert Meacham or Devery Henderson or these guys in the past. I mean, um, he had a solid season last year and the team was way down in pass attempts. For you know, because of some team level stuff, game script, and and all of that, and and also down in past touchdowns, they were uh, dead even, I think, in past touchdowns and rushing touchdowns, which was uh, a far cry from what they normally have done over the last uh, decade. I mean, I think they were closer to to two thirds of their touchdowns were past TDs in almost every other season uh, over the past decade. So. It, it's a team that I expect to throw a little bit more this year. Their defense is still good, but I, I do expect them to just rebound a little bit on the pass volume side just because of how many years we saw that higher pass volume um, style from them. And, and last year is definitely very notable, but I mean, I, I just don't think we'll see as low of pass volume this year and also on the pass touchdown side. So there's some value here. Uh, but if you look at what Ginn did last year, he was solid. I think he got 70 targets or so, but uh, especially if if he retains that same kind of deep threat outside role and the volume ticks up a little bit, he could be a little bit more productive this year, and he's a guy I really like. What would surprise me is if that's kind of the role that Traquan Smith plays. I, I think Smith fits more as kind of a competition for Cam Meredith mm -hmm. and uh, I think he has a legit shot to be a thorn in Cam Meredith's side. And, and I don't know if Meredith, I mean, I think Traquan Smith is a very good prospect. And uh, I, I don't know if Meredith's fully healthy or where he's at, but he's coming back from a pretty serious knee injury. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think the Bears necessarily handled his whole contract situation well at all. But uh, I think they off, they were willing to extend him an offer for something like one point something million, but they wouldn't pay the extra million to two million and they let him walk. <laughs> but if you if you want to read into that at all, which maybe you shouldn't, because the Bears have botched a lot of these types of things, or they're currently botching, uh, you know, uh, negotiations with their with their new draft pick Ray, Ray, Raquan Smith. Um, Just awesome. Just awesome. Yeah, they're they're great at that. <laughs> uh, but if you did want to read anything into that, you might want to, you know, they know his medicals. Maybe they're like they weren't willing to give him like two and a half million. So 
maybe there's some cause for concern there. And and so I, yeah, I'm I'm pretty off Meredith, and I, especially because I like Smith, and I think Smith fits more in that role. So if he really flashes, I think that's where he would wind up getting some playing time. I think Ginn's a little bit more defined in his role as a deep threat, so he's the one that I'm a bigger fan of. Ben, give us a Shark Tank app idea that does not exist today. Yeah, I mean, like, isn't there an app for everything? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if I had a Shark Tank, Tank app idea that didn't exist, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs> Let me tell you that. <laughs> no, but uh, fantasy douche used to always say with, with every new idea, like everything's so derivative, you can just say that it's like one thing for something else. Like it's Uber, but for, for this, you know? Um, and so I got, I got an idea and it's, it's Tinder, but for Shark Tank ideas. So people pitch their <laughs> ideas and you swipe right or left and the wisdom of the crowds determines which ideas are good enough to, I don't know, go on the show or, or be invested in or something. That's pretty, that's pretty wild. Um, wait a minute. It, it might already exist in a sense. Wait, what's, what's the fundraising, um, website that's out there? See, everything exists. <laughs> <laughs> Probably already exists. What what is that fundraising idea where oh yeah I went out there and um you know we just raised uh one hundred thousand to to start up Kickstarter this Kickstarter or something kick there it is Kickstarter it's a it's almost like a version of Kickstarter you created yep yep so douche yeah. was right all along damn it <laughs> <laughs> all right. let's uh, let's move on here we've got a lightning round uh, we already talked about Thielen and Diggs so give us uh, Hogan Chris Hogan or Jameson Crowder. I'll take Hogan. Uh, I think Crowder's got a little bit more competition for targets. He's going to be competing with Reed and Chris Thompson in the short area of the field. I think Doxson and Paul Richardson will be kind of their deep area of the field guys. I mean, that's an offense, I think, where air yards can be really helpful in kind of trying to determine what where the targets are going to go and how they're going to play out. And, and Crowder, for me, I mean, I, I still like him. And I think he has plenty of potential. But as long as Reed's healthy and Chris Thompson's healthy, like the areas of the field where he's running his routes are going to be a little bit overlapped. And, and they, it, the, the broader point is they have a lot of weapons there. So Hogan, to me, I think is just more established in his offense, and I, I feel more comfortable that he's going to be a producer, and, and the offense is a little better too. McCaffrey or Devontae Freeman? Uh, it's close, but I'll take McCaffrey. I mean, McCaffrey's receiving workload last year was incredible. I think that might come down a little bit this year, obviously, with the addition of DJ Moore. Again, short area targets. I mean, I think he'll be running a lot of a, a lot of slot routes, and um, they have uh, Greg Olson back healthy as well. So uh, targets might be a little bit tougher to come by for him, but he also was not very efficient on the ground. His workload was very similar to Alvin Kamara's, who obviously was an efficiency, you know, just God last year, but uh, McCaffrey's workload was good enough that even rushing for like 400 yards and two touchdowns or whatever it was, he was able to be the RB11. So uh, even if those targets come down, I, I kind of expect him to to put up better rushing numbers this year, almost because he he has to in in some respects. So uh, I think you know I like him just a little bit. I, I still really like Devontae Freeman too, and I, I can't really knock him, but I think McCaffrey just has that extra receiving upside everyone seems to be up on the Tennessee offense um, but some are still down on Derrick Henry and everybody is down on the Baltimore offense but many are up on Alex Collins so who do you got between the two of these guys yeah this one's kind of gross I mean this is an area <laughs> of the draft where I'm not usually taking running backs and uh, if I am it's not going to be guys like this that I don't expect to catch a lot of passes so um, this is two guys that for me um, I'm just not real thrilled about this year, but if I had to pick one, it would be Henry. Uh, I just think maybe he has a little bit more upside. I think Collins last year was a little bit the product of uh, the rest of the running back depth chart falling apart, and he was very efficient yards per carry and things like that, and I think he's a good runner, but uh, matching that efficiency this year will be will be difficult, I think, and uh, I expect the other backs to be involved catching the ball a little bit, so... um. You know, I'm not like thrilled about it, about this pick, but I'll take Henry. Yep, and you're getting a discount on Henry over Collins for the for the average too. So we'll take that. Now, next one, George Kittle, Trey Burton. Again, I'm normally not drafting these guys, but if you had to, or one of them fell to you, which one would you prefer? 
I think I would take Burton. Uh, you know, they gave him a pretty solid contract this offseason, and we just mentioned that the uh, the passing schedule for the Bears isn't too tough, and there's some potential upside there. There's obviously potential upside for the 49ers as well, uh, but I, I, I don't know. I'm not as high on Kittle as many are. Um, I, I think I see the potential upside for Burton a little bit more. All right, Ben, take a favorite or popular movie, change one letter in the title. What is the new plot? What's it all about? I mean, it's it's a porn movie, guaranteed, right? Like, <laughs> you're, like no matter what, if you're like like Fappy Gilmore, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I Shawshank Redemption, like I, I like regardless, like I feel like you're getting to some type of porn name. Uh, the Pappy Gilmore, the Shaw Yank Redemption, I think is is one for the ages. I mean, back in the Shark Tank app idea, like there has to be a Shaw Yank Redemption out there on the porn <laughs> scene. Like there just has to be. That, that I'm gonna I'm gonna go Google this right now. No, I'm not. No, then the wife's gonna be like, "What the heck is going on over here?" Maybe uh, it should be Shaw Bank Redemption. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, that's even better. All right, we can do this one for an hour. We'll start a hashtag in this one on, on Twitter. We'll get some uh, traction on this one. No, we won't. No, we won't. We're going to move on from there. Uh, last but certainly not least, Ben, give us your too early sizzling hot take for the 2018-19 season. Oh, man, uh, sizzling hot take. I was just on uh, the Roto Underworld pod the other day, and my take was Ryan Griffin, who I mentioned earlier, as a as a tight end one, a low-end tight end one, because uh, he's free in so many leagues. Uh, I will say... It's always been injuries. It's always been injuries with him, right? I mean, he right. came out, and the athletic profile, wazoo. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I can see it. 50 catch season two years ago. Uh, you know, I, I think he's... Got the he's got the potential to put up a, a sixty catch season this year. He was a fifty catch season behind Fedorowicz two years ago. That year when Osweiler was their main quarterback and throwing to the tight ends like they were the only position on the field. Uh, but I I do think he has some some upside and, and he has already been somewhat productive at the NFL level. Uh, but I'll give you another one. Uh, Andy Dalton I'll say QB twenty six right now in NFL ten Q uh, ADP. I'll say he's a low end QB one. He has a really manageable first half schedule. Um, not too many difficult games in the first half. He has, I think, a little bit tougher second half schedule, but I'm on John Ross. The Tyler Boyd hype is getting me again, too. Uh, that's a Sean Siegel guy right there and a market share guy. And, um, I think if you're lining up AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, and John Ross, there's a, a lot of upside there. If Tyler Eifert's healthy, I, I'm a big fan of Gio Bernard as well. Uh, I think there's some potential for Andy Dalton. I, I just, I don't get why he's going QB 26. I mean, they were the lowest team in the league in, in total play volume last year. That's going to rebound this year. Uh, and, and just more plays, more pass attempts. Uh, those things are going to improve his final line and his fantasy numbers. So the fact that he's going QB 26 is pretty wild to me. Uh, I don't think he should necessarily be up in like the, you know, QB 15 range, but. Uh, I, he's a, a really good candidate if you're just waiting on quarterback, waiting on quarterback. Maybe you have your guy, your eye on some of these touchdown regression candidates like a Matt Ryan or a Marcus Mariota, and then you miss on him. He's the, he's the fallback plan. He's got a good, uh, a good first half schedule. He's got the Colts in week one, who should be a really nice matchup for, for the passing game for the Bengals. Oh, I love what you just said there. I mean, Alex Smith is my most owned QB right now in best balls, and, um, who I pair with him with most, more often than not, is one Andy Dalton. So, you, you, man. I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, he's a great best ball option. You can get him so late. It's not even fair. It's not even fair. And now that I know I'm going to be able to stack him to gun for 100K with John Ross, I mean, it's just the, it's getting, it's getting nice. It's getting hot in here. Andy Dalton, Alex Smith. Marcus Goodwin, Robbie Anderson, stamps of approval from one Ben Gretsch. That's at 
yards per Gretch. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag. If you have any questions you want answered on the mailbag, again, submit them via email, rotavizradio at gmail.com or on Twitter at rotavizradio. Use the hashtag RVMailbag. Ben, my man, many thanks for carving out the time and coming on the show. Uh, let us know where you're at and, again, what you're going to be doing in the up-and-coming future here. Yeah, yeah, I'm over at Fantasy Insiders, fantasyinsiders.com. I'll be, during the season, I will be uh, doing some writing there. I'll be doing some writing at Roto-Grinders as well, doing some of the Grinders lives, live shows, uh, the video shows over there. Um, you'll see me on, you know, some pods. And, and then also uh, Sirius XM radio Fantasy Insider show is uh, midnight to 2 a.m. Eastern, so kind of the West West Coast show for you West Coasters like myself. Uh, 9 to 11 on the West Coast. I'll be kind of a rotating host on that as well. So you can check me out on there. Um, yeah, and I guess last-minute plug would just be John Ross, uh, week one, Indianapolis Colts, two touchdowns. Boom. There it is. Again, that's going to do it for this uh, week's episode. And again, he is Ben Gretsch at Yards Per Gretsch. Please don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes, folks. It means a lot. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag or Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio and at fantasygumshoe. Tell your friends about us, and do not forget to sign up for a 30% discount through our podcast homepage on rotoviz.com. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the Subway ad for $2.99 subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold-cut combo. Veggie delight. Or Black Forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just $2.99 each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub, drink, and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub, salad, or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community.